Hey guys, a new episode of Bull right here, right now. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of Bull, our after show. What happened to my crew? I have no idea, but this is the MacGyver theme, by the way, and it is badass because we need something to liven this show up because it's just, as I said, a one-man crew today. Nadine and Olivia are gone, but you're stuck with me, Kevin Ellis. And you can find me on social media at the Kevin Ellis on Twitter or on Instagram at Kevin Ellis25. Thanks for joining us, guys. If you're watching in the live chat, hit me up because I would love any kind of conversation throughout this show because, as I said, it's just going to be me. So you don't want me just talking to you throughout this whole thing. But if you do, that's what I'm here for. So let's get right into it. We've got a new episode called Never Saw the Sign, and it lived up to it. That's exactly what this show turned out to be. Right at the end, that plot line came to be. But, I mean, with our favorite uh, law science show, our trial science show, uh, we get tons of twists and turns. This one, I think, did actually a really good job of that. Typically, you have the stereotypical procedural where you get like, all right, you know exactly who is guilty from the start. This one actually had a little bit of a different feel to it. You actually had um, Trevor, who was the individual, the assemblyman, who just kind of came out about a quarter way, third of the way through the episode. And he ended up being more of a catalyst uh, than any of the other characters, including our uh, defendant, who was John Phillips. Now, John, unfortunately, right at the beginning of the episode, we had John and his wife, Karen, who got in this horrific car accident. You don't typically see rear ends go as poorly as this one did. But as you saw, like, you got this line of cars, and his seemed to be the only one that got in this like really bad car accident. So you knew that there was some sort of distraction element because everybody else was able to slow down, but he wasn't. So like right off the bat, I'm thinking, okay, this guy could have some fault to him. We were already introduced to the fact that they were arguing to whatever degree. Like we knew that baseball was a part of it. His son was a factor. But, like, I got this inkling that, okay, this might be the one episode where the individual who is our defendant might actually be guilty. Doesn't turn out to be the case, but it was a thought at first. I don't know about you guys. If you thought the same, uh, you know, share that because I got, you know, it felt like it was going that route. But at the beginning of this episode, we also have Judge Lampkin, who Bull is sitting in on one of her trials. And what seems to be almost one of the most unethical things that Bull has done in this entire show is he actually is taking up Lampkin on an offer she makes to have him appear um, as one of his in his role as a, a trial science uh, advisor to another case for another judge uh, in another county. Now, we don't understand why this is the, the case at this moment in time, but like as it turns out, Lampkin had this planned the entire time because she wants the assembly seat that Trevor Dor- Dormit? Trevor Dormit is holding in that county. And I don't know if she knew that he was involved in this plot to have the DA... Uh, actually go forth and charge John Phillips with this trial. Like, it seems as if that was the case because 
maybe she has a good relationship with the DA and typically judges do have a pretty good relationship with the DAs. Um, so I have to assume that was the case in this instance because there was even like a little bit of flirtation between Bull and Lampkin when she tell, when she tells Bull like, you know, I've got this case, you should do this. Um, but so there's an old history between the two of them and Bull even reveals a little bit later on why he has a motivation to help Lampkin out. And that's because next week he's going to actually have a trial in Lampkin's courtroom that is going to be quite lucrative. He feels like he can win. He always wins. He hasn't lost so far. So we know that he's got a big payday coming up. He wants to be on Lampkin's good side. I mean, it makes sense for our protagonist. Uh, I don't blame him, but like you have to, you have to question his uh, ethical behavior in this instance. Again, like you know, he's looking out for his company, he's looking out for his team. But I thought that it was a little questionable. Um, so as you know, we move forward. Marissa introduces the team bull to this case. And as it turns out, John Phillips, who again is our defendant, was traveling at 11 miles per hour over the speed limit. I wouldn't say that's a horrific offense. Um, sorry to those who do view it as such, but like most people drive at least below 10 miles per hour. He was just over that, uh, threshold of 11 miles per hour over the speed limit. Um, but the one other thing is that there was a sign that was posted uh, for John to slow down. You know, as we find out later in the episode, that's not quite the case. But at this stage in time, Marissa is presenting this as such. Like, there is a slowdown sign, and he didn't follow it. Um, so what is motivating this DA to prosecute? Again, it turns out that this assemblyman, Trevor Dormant, has this incentive because he's supporting this bill um, to get through his uh, his district that moves a what is it a road it's a road bill to a road improvement bill to get all the roadways in the area up to speed and of quality so he has an incentive to actually uh, get John Phillips convicted because he doesn't want. Uh, he or he does want all of these roads to improve if there is any sort of evidence within uh, the case that proves that r roads were a factor. This is going to move it all forward for him. And he also doesn't want um, any, you know, he doesn't want any sort of backlash. He's a politician. He's going to play the game. Um, and it does come back to bite him as we found out. And Trevor, he was a dick. Let's let's be real. He was he was he was a dick in this episode. He, right off the bat, like Bull goes on in there to talk to Trevor in his office, and Trevor right off the bat is being he's just cruel. He's just he's just being a dick, and uh, he tells he calls on over to security, says that Bull might even have a weapon. Like, come on, like this guy's just being cordial. He's not being at all threatening, uh, and yet he's clearly showing his hand in that all right you've got something to hide it turns out being the case um because he's he's calling john a maniac driver uh, amongst other things a drunk driver like he's throwing out all of this verbiage that is just contrary to anything that the case really has presented so far so i guess he was a witness and that's why we were you know given uh I guess Trevor was involved in the first place. Um, apart from this bill, he was a witness to the accident, but also said that you know he didn't 
see much, or at least that's what was revealed. Um, and he has it out for Bull so much that once Bull leaves his office, the police end up stopping Bull on his way out and end up call you know char- uh, what what do they do they gave him a ticket for not having our hands free uh cell phone in new york and the police officer was was being all you know hard hard ass about it but you had bull who was being really snarky we saw a lot of uh the character that we're all used to seeing in ncis uh, of michael weatherly and he brought out that snark sly behavior it was really fun to see because you don't see that the jokingness in the show you see um a lot of quips you see a lot of uh wit but uh the humor isn't always there with bull and it was nice to see this episode so we get to our jury, as we always do in this uh, trial procedural, but this time around, unlike past episodes, they're actually looking for really intuitive, critical thinkers, individuals that are going to see that this case, in the broader scale, has a little bit of corruption to it. They want to bring to light Dormit's corruption as an assemblyman, his incentive to have this case uh in favor of convicting John Phillips. So that's where we're at as far as that is concerned. And we have, it's cool that they bring out individuals who are always a little bit, um, how do you put this? Gill, our public defender is who I'm referring to. A little bit more shy, uh, a little bit more uh, tame. And he looks like he just has passed the bar. He's just got that newbie look to him. I Felt bad for him right off the bat. But Benny coaches him up. Bull coaches him up. They really make him feel like he's part of the team. And it really shows because Gil does come into his own this episode. And I think it was a great way of bringing in this new character and something fresh. Because we don't always see that um, in uh, in trials. You know, you don't see a an unpolished trial attorney trying a case in any of our procedurals but this guy had no idea what he was doing and it made it fun and he starts out with a question you know there's always an interesting question like in the pilot it's like how do you catch a cold or but in this instance it was if you're cooking or bake or do you like cooking or baking and in this instance there's one woman who even says like i I have something against gluten-free stuff and i you know i hate vegans and they automatically tossed her to the side they you know, cut her as a jury uh, pool individual. And it was it was just funny to see, like, somebody who was not thinking outside of the box for being vegan or gluten-free to just get axed like that. Typically, you see it the other way around where um, people are getting made fun of for actually being gluten-free and whatnot. So it was, I thought it was kind of comedic how they uh, were able to swing that one. Um, so later on, uh, Bull and Carter, who is the son of John Phillips, I, you know, I felt bad, as you would any child who just lost a parent. You know, you feel bad for this kid, but then when you're introduced to his character, you also see an individual who, as it turns out, to have motor, uh, motor dysfunction. Uh, he has, you know, issues with, you know, playing simple baseball like most kids. Um, so you feel for this kid, and we all know somebody like this growing up. I remember my brother had uh, an individual like that uh, on his uh, on his on his football team, and you know they were always very supportive of him. This instance was not quite 
the case. This was completely the contrary, where the coach, Gary, was not supportive of this individual. And you get parents like this who, as sad as it is, they don't support that type of... Um, they don't, you know, they just don't want to see the, the kids lose. Um, so many individuals are just like caught up in winning. And it's, uh, you know, it's a sad reality when it's just eight, like eight-year-old kids who are going about learning how to play and knowing what teamwork is. And you have an instance like this where this poor kid who has this, uh, this motor dysfunction, you know, not given a chance. And that's what was sad about it. Um, but... You know, we get to the point where Bull is catching on to this. It's not really brought to light because John, as it turns out, kind of wants to keep it at bay. He wants to keep it almost a secret because he doesn't want others to think less of his son, which in some respects is admirable, but you also want to address the problem at hand in the best way possible. And that's what his wife was trying to do. Uh, And that's what their final argument was before they got into a car crash, which is absolutely heartbreaking. I can't imagine that being brought to light for Carter's sake. Like, if if you're his parent, if you're in John's place, and you're on trial for vehicular manslaughter of your own wife but you want to save the little bit that you have of your kid and hopefully he doesn't learn that the reason that he's his mother has passed away is because you got in a car accident over an argument over his uh, motor dysfunction like that would be traumatizing as a child like i i don't know about you i would be I, I, that would be something i would never want my kid to know um but it turns out there there is a there is a silver lining to it, and it does work out in the end. Thank God. Um, but so Judge uh, Judge Lampkin and uh, and Bull end up meeting in the courtroom just before the trial starts, and it, and this is right before uh, Trevor was put on trial, um, or brought up on the stand, I should say. It turns out that Lampkin actually has an incentive to actually be the assemblywoman of Trevor's district. So there's your incentive for uh, Lampkin trying to give Bull this uh, this gig. But also, you can tell that Lampkin um, was probably informed of the assemblyship just because Bull was probably informed her. Uh, you you got to think or imagine that there's some kind of back dealings there. Uh, but, I mean, both win in the end. Again, you got to question the ethics of it all. As we see, they're showing Trevor how he is being an unethical uh, assembly person and politician. But you got the other side of it where you have a jury analyst and a judge who are uh, conspiring to uh, help one another out to further their own careers. So, again, Bull kind of making a questionable decision there. So, as I said, Dormit does go on the stand just in the next scene, and uh, we wanted to see him crumble. As I said, this guy was just an ass. We finally saw him crumble as Gil really called him out on his abuse of power, the very thing that we were just discussing. And Cable actually, I think, got involved in this whole element because Gil actually calls Trevor out for having a conversation with the DA over the phone about convicting uh, or charging John Phillips with this crime. So you have to assume Cable 
with her tech-savvy hackership, got involved, was able to actually find this phone call between these two individuals, or at least the record of it taking place. So a little bit, uh, again, the the ethics of this all in this show, uh, very questionable, but it's for the greater good. And I think that's what it comes down to is the show and just trials in general hopefully is for the greater good. As long as somebody is coming out uh, who should not be wrongfully uh, brought to jail, I think that there is uh, there's some reasoning to it. And you can see that... Uh, you can see, at least us as viewers, why we would support that type of thing. I think most people uh, do support that. Uh, also, with the road improvement bill, Trevor, as it turns out on the stand, Gil brings up the fact that his brother, uh, brother, brother-in-law, had a or has a concrete company. So again, the road improvement bill totally benefits not only Trevor and his politics and getting a bill pushed forward, but his brother uh, is going to profit heavily from this. So. Trevor just really showing how he's kind of a crooked politician here. Um, So once he gets pushed off the stand, uh, Bull and John uh, have to have some kind of uh, conversation because what John does is he goes out into the parking lot to confront Trevor after he goes on the stand, and Bull stops him from doing so, and rightfully so, because nothing ever good comes out of taking uh, something that's happening in the trial and taking it outside onto the streets. It never works out. We saw in the pilot episode, the father of the individual who, uh, the murdered girl, was on the steps of the courthouse and ends up shooting uh, the billionaire uh, father of the individual who was being charged of the murder. So, like, I, I don't understand the sensibility of this all. Again, that's what justice is supposed to provide in our justice system. And in the very instance, if it appears that justice is going to be served or, you know, you're going to have a possibility of being let off for the crime, why take the risk in assaulting an individual in the parking lot of the courthouse? Like, that is not going to help your case. So I don't understand the psychology of John in this instance. Turns out he's a little hot-headed, not so much, because Bull, once he sits John down in his car to talk about what took place the day of the car crash, it turns out that they were having, Karen and John were having a conversation about Carter and his uh, his motor planning disorder. So this is when this is revealed. It's a heartfelt exchange. Bull is really getting to John, though John, even at this point in time, is still wary of bringing... Uh, or going on the stand. And uh, again, I don't understand John's logic at this juncture because saying, like, you know, revealing his emotions, his his thoughts in that moment are going to bring less ambiguity to his own case. Now, we do go back, reverse to what I was saying earlier in that he's a little concerned about really saying or really having it brought to light that Carter has this disorder. He really wants to keep this under wraps. Um, but at some point in time, it has to be it has to be addressed because you're looking at your child possibly going to foster care and without a father for the rest of his life because you don't want to talk about the reality of the situation. And 
that is far more important. Bull knows it. John doesn't know it quite yet. And that's why Bull tells Gil on the stand to bring up his developmental disorder because Gil, uh, because John is not going to do it himself on the stand. So that's why Gil ends up doing it and it catches John off guard in the perfect moment too because it shows raw emotion. You don't want to discount that type of raw emotion that you get on the stand when you're talking in front of a pool of individuals who have your life in their hands. And that's that's what was cool about that moment is you saw that um, that what he thought was going to be a moment of weakness in himself was actually a moment of strength. So I thought that was cool of, uh, of John to do on the stand. Um, so... As that whole scene commences um, and then later ends, you have Arthur, who is our bird watcher jurist, who <laughs> can name, what, 430 different types of bird species in the New York area? Like, come on, give me a break. So this guy, A, has some time on his hands. B, is intuitive. He pays attention to certain, uh, you know, little things. He's very, I guess, observational. So... You have somebody who is still hung up on the fact that John had missed the road sign that was, I guess, placed and in plain sight for John to see prior to the accident. So this becomes more of a factor. And as we see, Cable, who has already uh, done a great job at getting Trevor's phone records, is now in the position where she's going after this hacker who had earlier in the episode been talking crap about Trevor, uh, the individual, again, the assemblyman. So, like, what was this all about? Why is there a hacker who is uh, trying to troll Trevor, this assemblyman from uh, Nassau County? Like, it's such a minute thing, so clearly there's some reasoning behind it. Well, Cable tracks down this guy named Austin, who it turns out had a mom who had been an employee at a library that Trevor Denton had, or Trevor Dormant, had torn down earlier in the year or something like that. And so this Austin guy, who is, uh, you know, this 20-something kid, is a little hung up on the fact that his mom was out of work because of this assemblyman. So he's trolling him online, and as it turns out, he even donated to Karen Phillips' memorial fund. And so... He finds out, or at least, uh, at least our cable finds out, that Austin, prior to the accident, knew that Trevor was going to be on the same roadway that he had been talking about for his road improvement bill. So he knew he was going to be on this roadway. So that very sign that we're talking about that is supposed to read, slow down, didn't at all. Because instead it read, no need to read. Which, again, is horribly bizarre. Don't understand exactly why that is the message. Like, I'm thinking, okay, you want to get the attention of this assemblyman, but at what, like, what does that even mean? Like, I I don't know if, uh, help me out if I miss something like that. I don't know what no need to read other than it just being a prank is going to have any sort of effect on Trevor Dormant's life (laughs) like it ends up jeopardizing the lives of others whether or not john phillips was actually going to read that sign to be determined or you know it can be looked up you know in hindsight but 
what we do know is it could have prevented that very thing. And that's what Gill and Bull want to hit, is that that sign did not read slow down. John did not have that warning that there was a traffic stop ahead. And so with that very logic in mind, these two want to bring that to light in court. And you got John here who doesn't know if he would have seen the sign or he doesn't remember the sign at all saying no need to read. But, you know, if you at that point in time, if you are up for vehicular manslaughter of your own wife and your son might be put in foster care, if you do not get off in this trial, you know, your life is is gone to waste. And so for him not to at least try and embrace the fact that, okay, maybe I didn't see that sign, but for him to go on the stand and say, no, he doesn't remember it was fascinating to me. Again, I've complained about this before on the show. I, a lot of our defendants have ethical decisions that don't necessarily help themselves in the courtroom, but like this one was very questionable. Um, as it turns out, it doesn't it doesn't hurt him in the end because Gill was able to on the stand in our uh, in his closing arguments address the fact that individuals. You might see a sign on the road, but if it isn't of consequence, if it isn't worth noticing, then you're not going to remember it. And it was a great way of proving this very point when Gill had removed one of the signs from the courtroom and asked the jurors if they had even noticed. They even asked for a raise of hand. Nobody <laughs> nobody had raised uh, their hand, which is of no surprise. And it turns out that the... The sign that he said he had removed was, quote, a court, uh, a court officer must be present at all times. And then he jokes, that wasn't even the sign. And, uh, it turns out that the sign had something to do with court uh, in session at all times, blah, blah, blah. It was this long list. Inconsequential, really, in reality. And it really got Arthur, the bird watcher, to come to his senses and realize, you're right. John, you probably wouldn't have noticed the sign that read, no need to read the sign, or at least remember it, uh, especially on a roadway, if there is any kind of uh, slowdown ahead, or, you know, you don't want to make the point that it's in the heat of an argument with your wife, but, you know, how many times are you going to see that, unless it reads something graphic, ridiculous, <laughs> provocative, you're not going to remember anything like that. Um, so it turns out that because of that, Arthur came to John's side, and he was found innocent. And so we were at least left with another case where Bull had saved the day, and nobody had, you know, everybody's innocent. Uh, he hasn't lost a case yet. Uh, so that is a, a positive for our protagonist. Uh, as it turns out, Jason, uh, Jason Bull and John after the trial, after he's found innocent, go on over to find Carter. And uh, Carter's over at a baseball diamond, and he's watching. I don't know if it's his own team that's playing, but he's watching kids uh, play. And as we saw at the beginning of the episode, he's just like a stat magnet. This kid's a genius. He doesn't have the ability to play ball like other kids, but he can use these other skills that he possesses. And that's what Jason is, or, you know, Jason's really trying to get to John is that. Uh, you know, he might not be able to do the things that you want him to do, but he's got these other, you know, characteristics, uh, qualities to his personality that are worth noting and uh, worth developing. And so it was cool to see um, John at the end of the episode 
seemingly embraced that very concept with his own son. It was a nice, it was a nice ending to a pretty good episode. Uh, we even had afterward a little character development. It's rare in this, it's rare in the series. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so procedural. But finally, Marissa, it's revealed she's seeing her ex-husband. It was hinted throughout the episode. All right, like everybody was questioning. All right, why is Marissa looking so nice today? And Bull even called her out. She had three green dresses that she had worn throughout the week. He knows, he pays attention, he's bull. He pays attention to everything. Uh, He knows that green was Greg's favorite color, so she's seeing her ex-husband again. Now, this was interesting because there was even a little remark that Marissa made where Marissa assures bull that she won't come back, that she won't come back to him. Now, there were different ways to read this. I saw it as, like, all right, is is she going to go back to Greg or is it Bull? Like, like I, I'm not going to go back to you sort of thing, like to to comfort me afterward if, if I am heartbroken. And I, I'm pretty sure the latter is what was the implication, which is a big character development in that Marissa and Bull have some sort of love interest in the past. Like they had addressed last episode that it was strictly platonic, but we kind of got that feeling there might be something going on or at least something in the past. I think it was confirmed this episode. I'm going to talk to Nadine and uh, and Olivia next week about this very thing. But I think that they're going to see the, the same thing as me. But unfortunately, we didn't have anybody in our chat room today. Uh, I know that you guys, you know, comment within the show, but... Uh, as, uh, as time goes along, always know that you can hit us up on YouTube. Uh, you can hit us up on SoundCloud, iTunes. We're on all these formats. Uh, again, I am your host, Kevin Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at TheKevinEllis or on Instagram at KevinEllis25. Thank you for joining us. We had four watching, so love you guys. Thanks for joining uh, this week. We will be back next week. Uh, hopefully, we might actually have a layoff. Uh, it might be a repeat episode. If not, we'll see you guys again soon. Again, Kevin Ellis. Take care, guys. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Bull you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only. Do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 